Hello, and thank you for listening to True Crime Cam. This week's case was supposed to be in last week's episode because I thought it would be a short one, but as I kept searching, I found more and more info, and in the end, I was going over hundreds of pages of court documents and filings. So let's just jump right in because it's 10 p.m. my time and I need to post this within the next eight hours. 55-year-old Ronald Craig Ilg grew up an hour south of Portland, Oregon, in Willamette Valley. The valley is famously known as Oregon's leading producer of wine. It's home to more than 700 wineries and one of the most desired places to live in the country. Well, that's at least what one article said. Ronald studied to become a doctor in Portland and then moved just outside of Spokane, Washington. There, he worked as a neonatologist caring for premature babies and eventually worked his way up to chief medical director. Ronald's first marriage didn't work out, and in 2016, he wound up marrying an esthetician who was 15 years younger. In 2018, they had a son, and on the outside, this successful doctor and his family were almost perfect. However, that same year, Ronald became close to another woman he met online and invited her to become a part of the marriage. Ronald's wife apparently knew about this polyamorous relationship, but over time, she became more and more uncomfortable. As this relationship was wearing down, Ronald was hit with a couple complaints about his conduct in the workplace during the spring of 2019. One report alleged harassment, and the other was a complaint about his scheduling practices. When HR investigated these claims, they interviewed Ronald's co-workers and had to ask some disturbing questions. This left some co-workers so shocked that they avoided Ron entirely. There were also alleged rumors swirling around that Ronald was bringing a weapon into the NICU. This made its way to the higher-ups, who asked him to step down as chief medical director. Ronald refused, so the board went around this by removing the position entirely. A year later, in June of 2020, Ronald's wife filed for divorce. Months later, Ronald's presence at work had become such a problem that they decided to just let him go. In the weeks following this, Ronald sent hundreds of texts to his estranged wife begging for her back. He was so desperate he even offered her money to stay in the marriage. In response, her lawyer sent an email to Ronald's divorce attorney telling him to stop contacting her unless it was about their son. Ronald refused. Over the course of five months, his attempts to make contact with his estranged wife grew increasingly aggressive, so much so that on December 21st, she filed for a restraining order. She wrote, Ron is spiraling and continues to get worse, to where now he is threatening to come to my home despite my opposition. This has to stop. In a response to the filing nine days later, Ron wrote that he was in a, quote, raw emotional state from recent events, including losing his job and his wife. He claimed to the court that he would stop bothering his wife, but in reality, his behavior became more intense. In another filing soon after, the estranged wife claimed that Ron was parking outside her workplace, blowing up her phone with texts, and left her a lengthy letter outside her home. In part, the letter read, I do love you, more than words can describe, more than actions can show. Every fiber of my body, every ounce of my life energy calls out for you. Within months of this interaction, Ronald Ilg would be arrested, and it's for something far worse than you could imagine. In 2021, an unidentified international news organization was working on a special project, uncovering and investigating murder-for-hire websites on the dark web. They found some disturbing information and messages on the website, of course, and decided to take it to the FBI. 
Two journalists from the organization provided messages between vendors and clients. And really quick, I want to read this little blurb from the FBI's description of the dark web and Tor. These online market websites use a variety of technologies to ensure that communications and transactions are shielded from interception or monitoring. Tor Network, or simply Tor, an abbreviation for the Onion Router, is a special network of computers on the internet distributed around the world, designed to conceal the true internet protocol, IP, address of the computers accessing the network, and thereby the locations and identities of the network's users. End quote. So obviously, although the intention is to conceal one's identity, unless you're extremely tech-savvy, someone is always going to be able to access your IP and figure out your identity, especially the FBI. The journalists observed one individual whose messages were extremely concerning. They used the moniker SCAR215, and the messages were sent between February and April of 2021. On February 23rd and 24th, SCAR215 requested a hitman from dark website number one to target a woman identified as B.O. And it's identified as dark website number one because the FBI will not reveal what website it is, and also because there are more. We only know her by her initials, but SCAR215 sent the admin her full name, address, and a photo. And this is what SCAR215 wrote. The target should be given a significant beating that is obvious. It should injure both hands significantly, or break the hands. Tried to attach a pick, but it wouldn't load. This user also placed $1,900 worth of Bitcoin into an escrow account to pay for the hit. Flash forward to late March and early April of that same year, and SCAR215 placed a hit on two different dark websites for the same woman, identified as J.I. This is victim number two. SCAR215 revealed the woman's name, address, work location, and also asked to bring harm to her father and pet dog. The following are his messages to the dark websites. I need a rush job for next week. I need the target kidnapped for five to seven days. While being held, she is given at least daily doses of heroin. She is also strongly persuaded to do a few things within two weeks. 1. Stop all court proceedings. 2. Return to your husband and the chaos you created. 3. Tell absolutely no one about this. Also, the team should plant heroin and use needles with her DNA inside. After about seven days, she is returned to her home. End quote. The next message from SCAR215 is to the second website, referencing the same target, J.I., victim number two. Quote, The target destroyed two families and walked away as if she did nothing. I want the target to be kidnapped for seven days. While being held, she will be given injections of heroin at least two times per day. She will be taught to do it herself, and pics and videos of her doing on her own should be collected. Also, while being held, all means necessary will be done to get the following goals within two weeks of her release. First, cancel all court proceedings immediately. Second, return to the chaos she left with her husband and the third party she invited into the house. And third, she will tell absolutely no one about her kidnapping and goals. She should be told that her family's health, including her father and kids, depend on her completing these rules. It would be unfortunate if her older boy became addicted to heroin, or her dad be severely beaten, or her dog be slaughtered. Any and all persuasion should be used. This needs to be done in two weeks. After receiving a response from the admin, SCAR215 sent this message on April 1st, 2021. First, let's ensure the goals are correct. I think you accidentally wrote, not go back, when in fact, she must go back. 
This is the absolute goal that she must do for a good bonus. Goals. 1. Stop all court proceedings. 2. Do go back to her husband whether she wants to or not. 3. Keep her mouth shut and tell no one about the kidnapping. 4. Plant drugs in her home and use needles a day or so after collecting her. So, if people start looking for her while she is detained, they will find them. 5. Inject her with heroin two times per day. Teach her to inject herself. 6. Send pics and videos of her injecting herself for bribery later. Her schedule I have described. I have been told she has kids every other week starting on Friday. She has kids starting this Friday. She works weekdays from 8 to 4. When she does not have kids, she works at the spa on Saturday and then Wednesday after work. I will use an external escrow. Hidden Wiki, where I first discovered your link, suggests the following. Bitcoin escrow. Best escrow service on dark web. Low fees. Ensures that both vendor and customers are safe by keeping funds in a secure account until goods or services are delivered. Can you please encourage your guy to start now? I have 40k in a wallet right now. I tried to send a pic of it, but I can't get this email to select that file. I will start moving the Bitcoin as soon as we agree on an escrow, but it will take a couple days to get there. I don't want to lose much more time. If he collects her when she has kids, it will be immediately publicized. If she doesn't have kids and she is forced to send texts out to work and any nosy friends, she could say she has COVID and is quarantined. So please, have him start now and send me updates and pics as soon as you have her. And is the Bitcoin escrow going to work for us? Thanks. Two hours later, Scar215 wrote another message and restated the goals, and that if all goals were completed, the hitman would receive a bonus of $40,000 worth of Bitcoin. This time, for goal number two, he states, Return to your husband by asking to move back home and effing him at least three times within the two-week time frame. In the conclusion of the messages, Scar215 writes, It is important to note that the husband not know this is happening. He had a similar experience, though, to make sure he will take her back, which he agreed to. She is strong for a woman, and she is stubborn and will need lots of persuasion, and she will say yes when she is thinking, fuck no. So after she is released, a way to continue to encourage her would be a good idea. Let me know soon if the escrow I named is acceptable. If so, I will put $40,000 in there. I will put $20,000 today, once we agree to the escrow and the terms of the goals. End quote. On the same day this message was sent, SCAR215 contacted a third website on the dark web and attempted to hire a hitman for the same victim, J.I. Roughly a week after that final message was sent, the FBI obtained records from Coinbase.com and specifically searched for the unique transaction hashes mentioned in the messages from SCAR215. So, after the funds were transitioned into Bitcoin, a Coinbase user withdrew it, and that Coinbase user's account was using the name Ronald Ilg. The account also listed his phone number, email address, and social security number. This confirmed to authorities that Ronald used Coinbase to transfer over $56,000 into escrow, quote, for the assault of victim one, and for the plan to kidnap, assault, extort, and drug victim two. Two days after confirming this info, the FBI served a search warrant on Ronald Ilg's home in Spokane, Washington. Inside his bedroom, they found a locked safe, with a sticky note that read, SCAR215, and underneath it, a password, Mufasa dollar sign dollar sign, just below it. Ronald had to unlock the safe using his fingerprint. 
Two days after this, the FBI used a search warrant to remotely access Ronald's dark web accounts associated with SCAR-215. Agents were able to log into his account and access all three dark websites because Ronald was smart enough to write down his password on a sticky note. Victim number two, identified as J.I., was eventually revealed to be Ronald Ilg's estranged wife, the one who was trying to divorce him. The court proceedings he was trying to stop was her filing for divorce. It turns out that she was informed about these threats not by the FBI, but by the journalists investigating the murder for hire websites. They were so concerned for J.I.'s safety, they forwarded her information about the plans against her and victim number one. J.I. then contacted the FBI through her attorney, and on April 7th, before Ronald's home was searched, she forwarded them text messages as well. These text messages were sent around February 16th, and they're between Ronald Ilg and a person identified as Witness 1. Witness 1 was Ronald's current intimate partner, and the woman brought into the relationship while Ronald was still married to J.I. So I'm going to read the screenshots available, and some of it has been censored. Witness 1 wrote, Leave me alone, I'm scared of you. Please don't hire someone to hurt me or my family. Ronald replied, Um, that stuff is all fake, and I've known it is all fake. Witness 1 said, I'm scared you will hire someone now to kill me. Ronald replied, But I am scared of you. You said you know people who can and will hurt me and my family. People that, blank, knows. The witness responds, You hired someone to hurt J.I. from the dark web using Bitcoin. Stop now. Leave me alone forever, I'm scared of you. And then Ronald replies, I absolutely did not hire anyone, that's a lie. And you said blank could contact his dealers and get people to hurt me and my family. That is real. The dark web is all a scam, as all the studies show. On April 6th, so five days before the FBI searched Ronald Ilg's home, they met with victim 2, J.I., and she told officers that shortly after the birth of their child in May of 2018, Ronald contacted Witness 1 on the internet. He invited her into the relationship, but over time, J.I. became uncomfortable with the situation. Currently, J.I. was in the process of divorcing Ronald and was splitting custody with their child, but she still maintained contact with Witness 1, Ronald's current partner. And sorry if this is all confusing, but just to be clear, Victim 1, Victim 2, and Witness 1 are three different women. And now we're going to bring in a fourth woman, identified as Witness 2. During the FBI interviews with J.I., she said that Witness 2 was hired to care for the child, who was a minor. J.I. showed messages between the nanny and Ronald Ilg, and by the way, this nanny was like 22 years old. In the messages, Ronald describes a kidnapping scenario as part of some sexual fantasy. Witness 2, the nanny, sent screenshots of these messages to J.I., presumably because she was concerned and appalled. And now I'm going to read those messages provided in the criminal complaint. Ron wrote, It would depend on what I decide the scenario would be and your comfort level. As an example, if it was a kidnapping scenario, something many women fear and yet sort of fantasize about. The name in this text is censored, but it is about Ronald's estranged wife, J.I. Quote, J.I. wouldn't be able to see, and it's impossible for her to know it's not me, but if someone was opening doors for me as I let her outside and into a car, it would add a significant amount of intrigue and uncertainty. It heightens the experience, gets the adrenaline flowing, and really changes the whole dynamic with just that little bit of difference. Of course, it would have to be planned out well ahead of time, so it certainly wouldn't be anytime soon. But knowing that I could have that extra tidbit of help adds dramatically. I hope that sounds fairly safe on your part. And if you wanted to be more adventurous, then that's possible too. End quote. 
My interpretation of this is that Ronald believed that one of those websites he paid thousands of dollars to was going to pull through and accomplish his goals, which included drugging J.I. and returning her to him. And these texts to the nanny were setting up that scenario, but playing it off to her as a sexual fantasy that J.I. consented to, which just goes to show how diabolical and intricate Ronald Ilg's plans really were. The day after this interview with J.I., the FBI interviews victim number one. This is the woman that Ronald wanted physically assaulted to the point of breaking her hands. Up until this point, we didn't know her relationship with Ronald, but in this interview, it's revealed. Victim 1, identified as B.L., previously worked with Ronald for several years, presumably at the medical center. B.L. made it clear that Ronald did not like her, possibly because he thought she was the source of one of the complaints against him in the summer of 2019. She also told investigators that Ronald tried to get a position with another hospital where she currently works, but they rejected him, and he probably places that blame on her. In November of 2020, Ronald reached out to B.L. about getting a job, and to quote, bury the hatchet, but she did not respond. The day after this interview took place, April 8th, Ronald and his girlfriend were in Mexico. Remember, this is the time period in which he wanted the kidnapping of his wife to take place so that he wasn't even in the country when it happened. On that day, his girlfriend, Witness One, texted J.I., quote, Some strange stuff has happened while we have been here. I need to talk to you ASAP when I get back. The FBI was made aware of this situation on April 5th by the unnamed news organization, who provided them with messages sent over the dark web by Ronald. Over the course of a week, they interviewed both victim 1 and 2 and became aware of Ronald's motivations for trying to have them severely hurt. They also obtained proof that Ronald had sent over $56,000 worth of Bitcoin to three different sites on the dark web with the intention of hurting these two women. On April 11th, Ronald flies back from Mexico to the Spokane International Airport, where FBI special agents are waiting for him. They tell him he's free to leave and not under arrest, but they would like to talk to him. Ronald agrees to an interview. At various points, he talks about getting a lawyer, but ultimately admits to hiring a hitman over the dark web and acknowledged using the username, quote, scar to something. He also admits to transferring Bitcoin to these hitman's sites. Ronald further explained that he'd been in an unusual relationship with J.I. and his current girlfriend. When asked how he hired the hitman, Ronald said he'd used a track phone, spelled T-R-A-C-F-O-N-E, but that during the trip in Mexico, his girlfriend tossed the phone into a swimming pool because she thought he was using the burner phone to cheat on her. He also told investigators that the login info to the dark web tour sites were saved on the track phone and that he couldn't remember the login information. So basically, Ronald Ilg admitted to everything, except he claimed the hitmen were hired to kill him and denied hiring them to hurt the victims. The purpose of the hitmen, he claimed, was so that his death wouldn't look like a suicide, allowing his finances to be transferred to his current girlfriend. The girlfriend, of course, was also at the airport and agreed to be interviewed by investigators. She told them she knew about Ronald's dark web activity and that he wanted to hire someone to scare his estranged wife, J.I. Ronald claimed to her, though, that he was using the dark web to gamble. However, when they took a trip to Las Vegas, he did not gamble at all. Ronald further claimed to her that he was using the dark web to hire someone to kill him so that his children would get an inheritance. When asked about the track phone, the girlfriend said she found it for the first time while on the trip and did throw it in the pool because she thought Ronald was using it to secretly talk to other women. After she did so, Ronald immediately got upset and threatened her by saying something like, We're in Mexico. I can do whatever I want to you. And, I'm working with the Mexican Mafia. 
She then asked Ronald if he was going to hurt J.I., and he stated that he hoped not, because he still loves her and their child. So, after these interviews, Ronald's home is searched, and investigators find a safe with a sticky note on it that has his dark web username and password. He opens the safe for investigators, but they still do not place him under arrest. The following morning, the agents received a call from the local sheriff's office. The sheriff's deputy reported that they'd received a call for a possible assault at Ronald Ilg's home. When they arrived, Ronald had a black eye and was lying unconscious on his kitchen floor. The deputy found a medication sheet indicating that 46 Xanax pills were missing. Near Ronald's body, an apparent suicide note was found. This note was beside a business card for the FBI special agent that interviewed him at the airport. To his current girlfriend, Witness 1, Ronald wrote, I love you with everything I have. I'm sorry. Please remember the good. I loved no other more than you. To his estranged wife, he wrote, I loved you also. You mocked my love. You made fun of it. Why? You laughed with your family and co-workers. Please care for, insert name of their child, love him like I do. The other side of the suicide note was addressed more generally. Quote, I am about to drift off to sleep. I pray that God forgives me. I pray with all my heart that he does. I did this not for me, but for all of you. You can move faster, easier, quicker. I just wanted to norm back, but I couldn't see the path. I fucked it up. Irreparable fuck up. J.I., if it is allowed in my will, please share half with Witness 1, somehow. She deserves that. J.I., you have a big heart that I destroyed. Ronald survived this suicide attempt and was hospitalized for four days, and during that time, violated the protective order by calling his wife and asking her to send a message to his girlfriend. This girlfriend also had a protective order and was going to be a key witness against him in the trial. Ronald wrote her letters begging her to marry him so that she wouldn't have to testify. And that's because there's a law called the spousal testimonial privilege, which, quote, precludes one spouse from testifying against the other spouse in criminal or related proceedings. Either spouse can invoke the privilege to prevent testimony. So basically, Ronald wanted to marry his girlfriend so he could stop her from testifying, even if she wanted to. He also offered to pay her child's tuition to a private Catholic school and instructed her to burn the letter after reading it. On April 16, 2021, the criminal complaint and arrest warrant for Ronald Ilg was filed, which a judge signed off on. In the conclusion of this complaint, it states, quote, The timing and content of the note, coupled with the placement of Special Agent Baker's business card next to the note, are consciousness of guilt that Ilg attempted to kidnap, assault, extort, and drug victim to. Based on this, as well as all of the foregoing, I submit that there is probable cause to believe that Ronald Craig Ilg attempted to kidnap victim 2 by soliciting a hitman through the dark web to kidnap, assault, extort, and drug victim 2, end quote. This case gets even more bizarre after Ronald's been caught red-handed and put behind bars. From April 2021 to August of 2022, Ronald's in jail awaiting trial, and that doesn't stop him from finding love. He actually got engaged to the wife of another inmate, in the Daily Beast, she's identified as Isabella, but in court filings, she's identified as Star, with two R's. And she told the Daily Beast, quote, I think he's one of the best people I've ever met. He was an amazing, amazing man, and pretty much lost it all over one mistake. According to this article by Emily Sugarman, Ronald and Isabella met in December of 2021, about eight months after his arrest. Isabella was married to an inmate in the same jail, and that man started talking to her about Ronald and his insane case. But this inmate was convinced that Ronald was actually a good man, that he didn't belong in prison. 
Isabella was so curious she decided to look up Ronald Ilk. That's when she realized that he was the same man she'd worked out beside at a local YMCA years ago. And to her, this was a sign from the universe, so she wrote him a letter. According to Isabella, they immediately became infatuated with each other. The jail calls are limited to 15 minutes each time, so Ronald called Isabella up to 10 times a day, every day. The couple had plans to get married, even if Ronald goes to prison. She told the Daily Beast she never imagined being in this situation, quote, but here I am in that situation, and I still don't know exactly how or why. It has to be a higher power or something that brought us together, because we just, we equal each other out, end quote. This article also mentions something that Ronald was never charged for in relation to his former girlfriend. Apparently, during the interview on April 11th, Witness 1 told investigators that she and Ronald were in a dominant, submissive relationship. He forced her to call him Sir, and punished her by making her sit in an underground bunker outside his home. And while the couple was in Mexico, she was forced to sign a, quote, sex slave contract in her own blood. In August of 2022, 56-year-old Ronald Ilk pleaded guilty to two counts of transmitting threats in interstate commerce. In exchange for the guilty plea, Ronald would be sentenced to anywhere between 60 to 90 months instead of the possible maximum sentence of 10 years. Even after pleading guilty to these charges, Ronald continued to scheme in jail. He wrote letters to Isabella explaining that he wanted to sell the rights to his life story, and the pitch to publishers would be that it was 50 shades of gray with a twist. He fantasized about building an empire with her, and that a book deal could get them a million dollars. In a recorded phone call, Ronald told Isabella that his story had, quote, a lot of potential for a book-slash-movie deal, and, quote, a lot of potential for financial gain. This was revealed to the courts in a filing dated January 20th, 2023. Her name is censored in this document, and Isabella is referred to as Witness A. But it's clear that it's Isabella because of her interview with the Daily Beast in September of 2022. So Isabella was sat down and interviewed in January by a district attorney prosecuting Ronald's case. She explained that she and Ronald were no longer in a relationship, and that she had spoken to him last within a couple weeks of this interview. Apparently, Isabella's husband, who was also Ronald's cellmate, was planning to live in Ronald's house once he was released from the Spokane jail. However, Ronald's first wife, Corinna, was not going to let that happen. He further informed Isabella that he believed Ronald was innocent, and he said that before Ronald pleaded guilty in August. Ronald wanted his cellmate to move into his former home and further check in on Ronald's former girlfriend slash mistress. Witness 1, as well as his estranged wife, Victim 2, and their 8-year-old son. Isabella told investigators that during their many conversations, it was clear that Ronald was still obsessed with his former girlfriend, and that all the conversations would lead back to her, and that he said she and her would be great friends. Ronald also wrote many letters to Isabella indirectly telling her to contact both women, who had protective orders against him. But if Isabella was going to marry Ronald after all, she wanted to contact his former girlfriend and get her side of the story. At least, that was her reasoning to investigators. According to a filing by prosecutors, Isabella was able to obtain the former girlfriend's information and did contact her. Isabella gave the FBI at least six letters, which I would read portions of if Ronald's writing wasn't chicken scratch. He was a doctor, so that makes sense. 
but to summarize, Ronald referred to his life as 50 Shades of Grey on steroids, and that would be the selling point of a book about his case. He was trying to get Isabella to become his PR and push this book idea to publishers to make millions. He also maintained his innocence and wanted her to start pushing a narrative online that Ronald's estranged wife had made up this entire situation and pretended to be him on the dark web in order to throw him in prison. In addition to all of that, the filing states, quote, Isabella received a letter with artwork which Ilg claimed another cellmate wrote. However, Isabella explained that she knew his handwriting from all the other letters he'd written, and it was from Ilg. The letter referenced a red barn or shed, a burner phone, and a child involved, she assumed, to be Ilg's young son with victim two. The letter suggested reporting a crime of child abuse using the burner phone. End quote. The same month Isabella's relationship with Ronald would fall apart, prosecutors would file a response to the defendant's sentencing memorandum. And a sentencing memorandum is basically Ronald's attorney arguing that his client deserves a lighter sentence. In this response, the district attorneys do not hold back. They argue for a 96-month-long sentence and write, Defendant, by all accounts, is a narcissist with a compulsive need for control. And those are quotes taken from Ronald's latest psychological report. Quote, When he loses control, defendant lashes out, demonstrating inappropriate intense impulsive anger. That is precisely what happened in this case. Defendant lost control over his ex-wife and did whatever he could to maintain his failed marriage, verbally harassing his ex-wife, stalking her, putting GPS monitors on her car, attempting to bribe her, and ultimately seeking a hitman to kidnap her, inject her with drugs, and threatening her family. Also, she would return to defendant. End quote. Also, contrary to the defense stating Ronald had, quote, exhibited an extreme remorse for his actions, he was trying to profit off his crimes against the victims. The prosecution stated, this is not someone who had a three and a half month lapse. This is somebody that continues to present a danger. Two days after this, district attorneys filed another reply brief, writing, Defendant subjected women to significant domestic violence and abuse. While defendant claims his violent and aggressive relationships with victim one and witness one were consensual, when defendant locked witness one in an old septic tank for several hours, the following text messages demonstrate otherwise. End quote. I've already read a portion of these texts you all, but the most disturbing portions were not in the criminal complaint. So, Witness 1, the former girlfriend, wrote, Leave me alone. I'm scared of you. Please don't hire someone to hurt me or my family. In another exchange to Ronald, after she was punished by him for something, she wrote, And for some reason, brushing my knees and legs and putting me down in some dark wet hole is going to make it better. I think she meant to write, Bruising, not brushing. Quote, not in a million years will that work with me. I will never go back in that hole ever again, ever. I was the one down in the hole all bruised up, not you. It finally hit me down in that hole. Normal is not making me go down in that dark, wet, muddy hole and locking me in. Ronald replied, And you should want to be locked in a hole, so you learn to be respectful, if you can't use the time in the hole to understand. So, a big part of the defense's argument in this case in terms of the sentence length is that Ronald didn't have any prior criminal conviction. However, in a filing on January 12, 2023, the prosecution easily outlined Ronald's behavior towards the women in his life as domestic abuse and stalking. 
I'm going to summarize what they wrote in this filing, and some of it you've already heard, but some of it will be new. To his estranged wife, he sent her unwanted letters, emails, texts, and waited outside of her work during their divorce, even though he agreed not to. Ronald placed tracking devices on her car on three separate occasions over the span of a year. He also downloaded a child tracker application onto her phone in order to track her. During the marriage, Ronald told her what she could and could not eat and dictated her workout routine. He would also drug her by putting Xanax in her drinks. In 2021, Ronald threatened his ex-wife with a taser and further threatened to take away her phone and car if she didn't call him sir and adhere to his sexual desires. As for the former girlfriend, she said she was sexually and physically assaulted by Ronald. During the assault, he penned her, quote, against a wall in the bathroom and forced himself on her. According to this filing, Ronald also forced her into a septic tank, required her to sign a, quote, master-slave contract in blood, which we've heard, and burned her with a cattle prod. Text messages between the two also revealed a pattern of abuse. The former girlfriend said she was assaulted by Ronald and, quote, bleeding all over, and that he might have broken her finger. The last point made by the prosecution is incredibly disturbing, and it's about evidence recovered during the investigation. They wrote, Video evidence recovered during the investigation depicts defendant, naked from the waist down, masturbating with an arm's length of a young child, who appears to be asleep. While defendant is not necessarily aroused by the minor child, such conduct, on recorded video no less, reflects recklessness and a disregard for social norms, as well as for the child's well-being. Prior to a judge sentencing Ronald Ilg, people were allowed to submit statements in support of his character, and victims were allowed to read impact statements as well. Victim 1, Ronald's former co-worker, Victim 2, his estranged wife, and Witness 1, his former girlfriend, all wrote something about Ronald's impact on them. The following is a quote from The Daily Beast, written by Emily Sugarman, that describes the statement read by Victim 2, because I wasn't able to find the statement in the court filings. Quote, Ilg's ex-wife also called for the highest possible punishment in a blistering witness statement in which she called him a master manipulator and a con artist. During their marriage, she said, Ilg forced her to submit to his dominant, submissive preferences, making her refer to him as sir, and to sign a ridiculous set of rules to follow. She said that several times she woke up at night to find herself tied down with ropes or chains, and she claimed Ilg had once grabbed her by the throat and pinned her to the bed while she was holding their son. When she protested, she said, he would threaten to withdraw financial support or take away her phone or car. Even after she found a full-time job and started plotting her escape, Ilg would park outside of her work or place trackers on her car, she said. To this day, she said, she locks her office door between clients for fear that Ilg will send someone in to harm her. Quote, All I wanted to do was get out of a toxic marriage and be left alone, she said. If he hadn't gotten caught, I don't know what he would have done to get his way. End quote. When it comes to statements in support of Ronald's character, you'd think they were written by people who didn't know the details of this case. One of those letters asking for a lighter sentence came from his current cellmate, J.S. Nason. Specifically, the man wrote, by hand, eight pages to the judge, describing how Ronald brought him closer to God, and that Ronald is a good man. Ronald's older brother, Dwayne, also wrote a letter to the judge, describing his brother's, quote, honorable and compassionate character. He wrote that the Ilgs were a family of ten, eight children, a mom and a dad, 
who grew up in a house with one bathroom. Duane also said Ron was, quote, one of the most spiritual of our Catholic-raised family. When describing his brother's character, he recalled a story about an elk hunting trip in which Ron thought Duane had experienced a medical emergency and was heroically running towards a meeting spot to render aid. But it turns out Duane had actually left to get some food, and it was all a miscommunication. But that this instance shows Ronald is a good man with good intentions. Ronald's first wife, Corinna, also wrote to the judge on his behalf. She described her ex-husband as, quote, an exemplary example within the community, and states that they had a son together in 2003. This son also wrote to the judge on Ronald's behalf, which in part states, He is and will always be the greatest father I could have asked for. He is the reason why I was able to join the military with confidence, and he still supports me with any decisions I have made so far, and helps me in any way he can, such as financial advice. Ronald Ilk, or as I call him, Dad, is a wonderful person who has given everything to me and to those he knows. He may have made some mistakes along the way, but overall his intent is always loving. End quote. The people that wrote these letters may have known a loving, compassionate side of Ron, but that doesn't diminish the absolute torture and terror that he put the victims through. And because Ron pleaded guilty, five counts were dismissed against him, including two counts of cyberstalking, attempted kidnapping, attempted damage to a protected computer, and tampering with a witness. On January 24th, 2023, a judge sentenced Ronald Craig Ilk to 48 months for count one and 48 months for count two, making the total sentence 96 months, which is exactly what the prosecution asked for. After his release, he'll have six years of supervision. He was also fined $100,000 in order to pay over $25,000 in restitution to the two victims. This amount of restitution is egregiously low, considering Ronald was making over $715,000 a year as a doctor, and he did so for 20 years. He also co-owns a 100-acre orchard worth over a million dollars, and his estate is $1.2 million. Nonetheless, Ronald Ilg will have to spend the next eight years of his life in a federal prison. Thank you all so much for listening, especially if you made it this far. And I want to give a special shout out to the new Patreon members, Emma W., Alicia, Not Mark, Valeska C., Brenna C., and Katie L. Thank you all so much for becoming Patreon members, and I hope you all have a good day, evening, or night. Goodbye. Thank you.